G'day there. This is the Bloody Aussie Battler podcast with your host and fellow battler, Mike Holt. The Bloody Aussie Battler brings you news, interviews and commentary on the political shenanigans in Canberra and around Australia. So grab a beer, settle back in your favourite recliner and let's hear what the criminals, liars, thieves and traitors have been up to. Do you know that by 2030, as many as 800 million jobs could be lost worldwide to automation? Future Blackboard is an educational platform for developing emerging careers, jobs and skills. Future Blackboard offers courses designed for the future. Are you concerned about cybersecurity? Future Blackboard is offering a course on how to spot and beat hackers, prevent tracking, browse anonymously, and counter government surveillance, as well as master the tools for antivirus, malware, and disk encryption. Future Blackboard is offering a special price for just $65 in cybersecurity and anonymity. Enroll now at www.futureblackboard.com and click on Courses on the menu. Dick Yardley's book, Australian Political and Religious Leaders, Treason, Treachery and Sabotage. Dick exposes how Whitlam, Hawke, Keating, Goss, Rudd and all the other Fabians have destroyed our manufacturing and agriculture. If you want to know exactly how they have done it, get Dick's book at advanceaustralia.com.au and click on Merchandise. Knowledge is power. Get the power to fight the corruption today. I'm very privileged today to have an international specialist in common law and many other things, Kevin Annette. Now, Kevin has a very interesting um, past, and I'm sure he'll clarify for me, but this is just what I, um, I know about him. He was a, you were a Catholic priest, weren't you, Kevin? No, Protestant minister. Protestant United minister. Church. Okay. Glad we got that one sorted out. <laughs> Yes, and, and you got uh, out of that for various reasons, which we'll discuss later on. But I'd like to welcome you to the show, first of all, Kevin. It's great to have you on here, and I look forward to our chat. Thank you. So, Kevin, uh, whereabouts are you in the world today? I'm in Canada, central okay. Canada. Yep. Right, because you do get around a fair bit, don't you? I do, yeah. All right, tell us a little bit about your past. You were a pastor. And um, you worked at a, uh, an orphanage for native Canadian children. Is that right? No, I, I was a minister uh, in, on the west coast of Canada. And I was working, I had a church and I was working in the community with a lot of Aboriginal people. And I first began to discover the truth of what had happened, the genocide in the Indian boarding schools that church and state had done in Canada for over a century. Um, I first found that out over 25 years ago, and, and after trying to surface this stuff, I was fired, uh, pretty much blacklisted, lost my family, and one thing led to another, and that's really what's led to this whole campaign, not only to expose these crimes, but bring back common law. Good. Uh, yeah, but this is what happens, doesn't it, when people start exposing the crimes and treason of these, these criminals, we end up being the ones that get targeted. But you're the leader of the International Tribunal into Crimes of Church and State. Is that correct? 
Well, I helped set it up in 2010 in Dublin, and I've been a consultant, really a field secretary for North America uh, for the tribunal for about the last 10 years. Yeah. Okay. And what have you been doing during those 10 years? Well, a lot of work. First of all, building a movement in Canada among Native people and others that confronted these churches that that killed off over 60,000 Native children uh, and uh, forcing the government to acknowledge some of this stuff. And then uh, starting a campaign within Europe to expose similar crimes of the Catholic Church, which helped uh, force the resignation of Pope Benedict in 2013. And... Mm. A lot of consulting, a lot of working with people on the ground, and I published 16 books. You can see all this at murderbydecree.com and also on Amazon. Right. I'll put that on the link in the, uh, that link in the website. I've actually got three of your books. Uh, one is a Common Law Community Training Manual, which I'm finding very interesting reading. I've also got the Common Law Handbook for Jurors, Sheriffs, Bailiffs, and Justices, and Establishing the Reign of Natural Liberty, a Common Law Training Manual. There seems to be one that I either haven't bought yet or you haven't written. But we're preparing now to convene grand juries in Australia to start investigating and prosecuting all the crimes and treason that have been perpetrated here by the, the political parties. And I, I'm looking for a book to guide us on how to set up a grand jury correctly. Do you have anything like that? We've had some contact with groups in America that are setting up citizens' grand juries. You see, in in America, you have that tradition of the Mm. grand juries. There's constitutions for uh, common law jury trials. But in Canada and other so-called Commonwealth nations, we don't have that tradition. So I've had to learn a lot when I do a lot of work in the States. I've been kind of learning it on the go from the folks down there. Right. You know, we can certainly talk about aspects of it. I'm, I'm certainly not an expert on grand juries, but I know something. Yeah. Okay, so according to my understanding, anybody can convene a grand jury, but we have uh, about 30 what we call Commonwealth public officials here. These are people like myself who have sworn an oath of allegiance to Queen Elizabeth II in the UK, and we stand under English common law. Now, it's important to make that distinction, English common law, because that is the original common law that we stand under. In Australia, the political parties tried to legislate that out and bring in their Australian common law, which is just a travesty. So as far as we know, it's better to convene a grand jury with CPOs sitting on the panel. And then we also have to find sheriffs and bailiffs and justices, don't we? Right. Well, you know, the thing about a grand jury is it's it's not the same, at least the models that I've studied in America it's not the same as a court. It's basically an investigative body right. to see if charges should be brought against people. And they have the power to then uh, uh, issue indictments on the Correct. basis of And so, yeah, as part of that, what we find is often the, the easiest way is you deputize existing sheriffs and police officers to serve as agents of the, of the grand jury and any common law court that's convened out of that. Right. So we have to get uh, them out also, of the... Right. We have to have to get them out of admiralty law and under um, English common law. Well, and that's difficult when they've all taken a personal oath of loyalty to the monarch. So one of the things we've done in Canada is we've said to the crown officials that they have a higher loyalty to the, to the people and to a constitution than to a foreign monarch. And that's why I think eventually it raises the whole question of establishing a republican constitution. But that's yeah, well, another issue, but... Um, it is. 
one step at a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I, I don't know if you've had time to read my website, Advance Australia. But, yes, um, a little bit. Yeah, I did. Yep. Yeah. So that really is a, um, a blueprint for a, an Australian republic run by and managed by the people rather than by the political parties. Right. But uh, right. I don't call it a republic or even a plan for a republic because in Australia that word has become a very dirty word thanks to the political parties. Right. Well, you know, it, it's really, uh, we can't get caught up in, in semantics because really what we're talking about is the same thing when you're talking about self-governance, yep. that the people ultimately are the authority rather than the political system. Mm. Right. Exactly. I like the way you think. <laughs> I'd like to go back just a little bit to when you issued the uh, arrest warrant for Pope Benedict. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I heard that um, he was planning a trip to Ireland and uh, when you issued this arrest warrant, it was an international arrest warrant, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. He, he stepped down on February 11th, 2013, five days after they had received a diplomatic note from the Spanish government saying he might face arrest if he came to Spain based on the material in our uh, indictment. Which oh, so it was Spain, not Ireland. It was Spain that uh, issued the note warning of his arrest. And he stepped down five days later, as did three other cardinals who had been named in our indictment. Mm. Well, you know that we recently arrested and tried uh, Cardinal George Pell, who was basically right. in charge of the, uh, things in the Vatican. He turned out to be a pedophile, although there's a lot of discussion about that. But I always say where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, don't forget, too, there's a standing policy in the Catholic Church called Crimen Satanus, and it requires that everyone cover it up, every Catholic, every official, and it's a pontifical secret. Uh, and that's the term they use in the in the policy document, and so that means it's coming right from the papacy. Mm. Uh, from the, and uh, so it's you get excommunicated if you tell the police about child rape, you know. So it's a definite criminal conspiracy. Dear me! Well, the whole church is turning out to be a criminal conspiracy anyway. <laughs> in our experience, yeah. Yeah, I, I watched a an interview you did the other day on YouTube. And you made some very interesting comments there. Would you like to talk a little bit about your philosophy and, and how you came to get so involved in English common law? Which aspects of philosophy you mean, like in terms of... Um, well, what's your personal philosophy on life and, and uh, oh. liberty and freedom and uh, the work that you've been doing that, that led you to you, uh, what you're doing now? Well, essentially, it has to do with a sense of uh, sovereignty, that people are born sovereign, and rights and liberty and everything is not given to us by a government. It's the other way around. We, in, we bestow authority on government. We, the people, do. And we can uh, withdraw that at any point. We don't lose our sovereignty when we, when we vote, in other words, or when we pay taxes, or when we no. obey laws. Uh, in, in the book, The Social Contract by Jean-Jacques Rousseau, he makes that point. And in fact, that was really the philosophical basis of the American Revolution. Right. So, uh, whereas, uh, you know, the, the, what the, a lot of governments tend to operate under, according to uh, Thomas Hobbes in the 17th century, who said, no, the sovereign is absolute. You surrender your authority. You're all subjects of the sovereignty. He can do whatever he wants to you, etc. cetera, um, within the laws that he establishes, right? So it's really uh, two different ways of looking at the world. And um, I guess in that sense, we, there, you know, there's spiritual, there's personal, you know, repercussions of all that. But it's, it essentially boils down to self-governance and natural law. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Good luck. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a big day here in Australia. The whole country stops. But um, I, I agree 100% with what you're saying there. In fact, when we are born, we are all born equal. We're born naked and squalling and squealing. We have unlimited potential. And what we do with our lives right. determines uh, how we will live it. And how we live our lives will also determine how uh, our lives are lived. So once you die, we all inhabit the same hole in the ground and uh, we can't take our wealth with us. So it's right. up to each person here to make the best of our lives, to make our lives and those the lives of those around us the best we possibly can. And that, that really is my moral imperative. Absolutely. I agree 100% with, with all that. Mm. And that's why English common law is so important because it, it, it uh, codifies that and, and makes it e easy for us to live under a set of laws that, you know, give us, well, not give us, they, they guide our, our rights to freedom and, and uh, sovereignty. We are all sovereign people, whether we like it or not. And the governments, the, the political party governments and the others that uh, try to limit us and tell us how to live our lives, they have absolutely no authority unless we give it to them. And this is what, of course, they say when because we vote. But in Australia, we have no choice. We have to vote. Well, where's the freedom in that? Well, you know, it's interesting that um, Magna Carta, which is really the basis of a lot of English liberties, it didn't bestow rights on Englishmen. It uh, recognized pre-existing rights mm. that and and you know pre-exist parliaments, kings, any political system. Uh, it's inherent, in other words, and you know that that's really basic to everything we're talking about. And you know, according to your what you articulated so well, um, there is the infinite possibility in every man, woman born, and any system that tries to restrict and limit and control that is inherently tyrannical. And we have the right to depose that system and step away from it and overthrow it, like the founding fathers in America said. Mm, absolutely. Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson said America needed a revolution every 20 years, you know, and <laughs> that's a bit overboard. Well, he, these days he'd be considered a domestic terrorist by the FBI, I think. Mm. But then again, the FBI are domestic terrorists, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. But we have the same problem here in Australia. We've got the federal police who are the same equivalent and they are just going around destroying our democracy and our freedoms. Um, so much so that they recently raided the homes of several journalists and boy, did that put a firebrand into the bee's nest because now they've formed a group and they're advertising all over the place and saying things like when the government uh, keeps secrets, what are they hiding? And when they try and stop us from finding out, what are they hiding? And they're exactly right. And it's taken the journalists a long time to wake up and start realizing what the, the results of their actions have been. They've been reporting all these lies for so long for their masters that now they're starting to get caught in the web. Well, it's unfortunate that people have to experience something personally to start waking up to what has been around them all the time, right? And it's been attacking so many other people. Mm. Um, but I'm glad to hear that because often we need to get hit like that for people. And I see that all over. People, I do a lot of traveling and people are waking up all over the planet. Uh, yep. to this really, I mean, I, a lot of people call it a corporatocracy, right? It's uh, w the rule of corporations um, rather than government or, or, or the rule of law. Yeah. And um, 
it, it corporatizes everything, including thinking and, and everything. And we have to step back from that, definitely. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a Vietnam vet, and I saw the uh, military-industrial complex in action over there. It was a very scary thing. Now, when I went over there, I went over there as an idealistic, uh, happy-go-lucky, carefree bloke. And yep. six months later, I came back. I was a very, very different person. And for a long time, I couldn't figure out what had happened to me and, and why I, well, I suppose you could say why I was so disturbed. It wasn't so much I was disturbed, but I started questioning the status quo. And I, I kept on seeing things that I just didn't like. And uh, in 1978, I had had enough of uh, the, the um, socialist governments that had started getting elected. I could see how the New World Order was working. Uh, Thailand was a, um, an agricultural country. They relied mostly on exporting rice. And then in the um, mid-'80s, the New World Order started uh, kicking in in Australia and a lot of companies, well, all over the world, but a lot of companies fled Australia to Thailand. And I saw this almost overnight boom, you know, manufacturing sprang up and exports and business was booming. There were fortunes being made, but at the expense of yeah. the Australians, you know. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's not fair. So this is the problem with the New World Order. They're trying to spread the wealth to everyone, but they're not doing it the right way. And let's face it, at the end of the day, we may all born be born equal, but we make our own paths. And some people are born to be poor and some are born to be rich. And, you know, it's just the way life is. So, you know, trying to make everybody the same as they do in socialism just never works. Well, you know what I find is, uh, you know, the old political categories, which are kind of based on this one-dimensional left-right you know, kind of uh, system yeah. um, really is redundant. I mean, those terms left and right came out of the French Revolution and the National Assembly, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's time we kind of develop some new terms, some more multidimensional terms, I think, because I find in any political ideology, it's more like you have totalitarian and libertarian elements in any ideology, whether it's socialism, uh, conservatism, anything. And we kind of go after the people who believe in liberation from mm. all restraint, from, you know, from... Um, whether it's big money, big politics, whatever, you know, it's, it, we have to break free all the time. And, and, um, you know, I, I think it's, we're learning that on the ground, you know? Yeah. And it, you're right. It is a worldwide movement. And I, I'm very pleased to say that here in Australia, the word is spreading very quickly and it's all due to the actions of the political parties against us. You know, they've, they've increased their legislation, their laws against us. They've made all these things uh, illegal, unlawful or whatever. Uh, they're fining people every single day for billions of dollars in each state per year. And we're looking at this and going, hang on a moment, where is all that money going? And why are we being forced to pay all these fines? And what the heck is going on? And people are starting to wake up. Whole industries here are being decimated. The latest one that I've been in touch with is the uh, commercial fishermen. And actually, they're the people now that have came, came to me and said, well, what can you do to help us? And I, I thought about it and I said, well, it's time to start setting up a, a grand jury. And that's what we're preparing for now. And arrangements for that are going ahead very fast. So I'd say within the next, well, before Christmas, I hope, we'll convene our first grand jury. It's a bit of a learning process, but we're getting there. Well, you know, that's what we find on the ground. Uh, nobody has a blueprint for these things. And we have to kind of be very uh, 
innovated and experimental and because our situations are different all over. There isn't one model that's going to work for everybody. Mm. We, you know, we have the same philosophy as we've been talking about, but that'll manifest in a lot of different ways. So we learn mostly from our own experience and, you know, going and working with people. I find that all the time that I don't see myself as an organizer, but as a catalyst. And it's up mm. to people themselves and their own communities to organize themselves, right? And so that's very encouraging, you know, what you're talking about. Yes. I spent many years, in fact, when I came back from Thailand, I lived through five coups up there, so I know what a coup looks like. And when I came back a couple of years after I arrived, there was a, a, a prime minister called Kevin Rudd who got deposed by uh, Julia Gillard, both socialists and uh, Fabians. And I stepped back and I looked at that and I thought, hang on a moment, there's something wrong here. We don't have coups in Australia and that's a damn coup. So I started investigating and talking to various groups and uh, eventually uh, I started doing a lot of work and I got myself educated about what the situation is and I started helping other people through my websites and Facebook pages, etc. until I've ended up here today where I'm starting to um, organize a grand jury. And it seems to me that, you know, there are a lot of people in Australia now who are in the same boat. They've all done this research. We're all at the stage now where we want to do something about it. And, yeah. and it's not just want to, we have to do something about it or we will lose our country to socialism. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, I'm going to have to um, stop now because... Uh, it is Melbourne Cup Day. My wife is okay. pritting herself up. Right. I have to go right. and make myself look presentable. And uh, no worries, we're going we'll to do go it again and, sometime. Absolutely, I look forward to seeing you, uh, talking to you again, and perhaps next time we can get this Zoom working properly. Yeah, well, you know what I'll do? I'll check out my American content about their knowledge of grand juries and that, and we can talk more specifically about that next time, that, if you like. That would be fantastic. Thank you, mate. Yeah, and this is the beauty of the internet. We can all help yeah. each other learn and, and develop. And Absolutely. eventually we'll get there and we'll have a much better world. Kevin, thank you very much for coming on. And thank I look you, forward to our next conversation. Yeah, me too. Talk to you later. Cheers. You have been listening to the Bloody Aussie Battler podcast. 